0: You know how precious our life is? How do you not do simple things? Because it's painful. Mm-hmm. And and it's scary when you know, oh, it's time to do the thing. Darn it, I don't want to do the thing. You know how important it is. You're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. And when you do that, you are going to come out of it a lot better. My surgeon was very honest. He said, "We're we're going to fix you, but you won't be able to do the same things as you did prior. That's hard. You have to change that mindset of your level is here and you're still going to be able to go back and do it. It just may not look the same. I struggled with that, but I get to wake up every single morning mm-hmm. and I get to run and do the things that I love.
1: Welcome to Imperfect Heart, a place for you to join me, Jeff Holden, in conversations, discussions, and dialogue about our hearts and the impact myocardial bridges have on them. We'll talk with healthcare professionals, those in related fields that support our condition, and others just like us with stories of their myocardial bridge experiences. It's my intention for this content to inform, educate, entertain, and even motivate or inspire you in your personal journey on dealing with a myocardial bridge. Most importantly is to have you leave each episode with hope, knowing you're not alone and that what you're experiencing is real. Welcome back to this incredible discussion of two fantastic women sharing their very personal experiences from two very different time frames. Let's rejoin the conversation now as we transition from diagnosis To surgery and recovery. Veronica, you were actually the catalyst for this conversation because I knew you were so early on still when we talked. And I have a friend that's a cardiac nurse at the hospital system here in Sacramento. And she mentions she knows this guy, one of her good friends, has this thing called a myocardial bridge (laughs) to one of her friends on the floor. And she goes, Hey, I have a friend that has one of those things too. And so my friend, the nurse calls and she goes, Jeff, you're not going to believe this. Somebody else has your condition and they live in the Sacramento area. They're in Folsom, California, which is 10 minutes from my house. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I said, do you think you could ask her knowing HIPAA? Would you please ask your nurse friend if she would ask her friend if I can call her just so I can figure out what the heck is going on and sure enough the the person happened to be sarah our first phone call she spent i it was over an hour I'm, it was a sunday afternoon and she talked with me for an hour about oh this is this and this is this and she's already a year out of it i'm not in it yet and i'm thinking oh god this this, <laughs> this is going to be rough because i how long until i can ride again but she had already started running by then too and so we, we had just this wonderful conversation and have since maintained a, you know, a relationship. So if you would go now to your next step, you get your surgery date, you're going to Stanford. It's not like you're going to Northern California for a vacation, <laughs> even though you pack the bag and you're excited, it's a little bit different. And now it's it's time. And this is just six, less than seven weeks ago. Yes. What has been happening since? And maybe just walk us through post-surgery, ICU, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah. So, when I packed my bags for those three weeks in in California, it wasn't quite the spa vacation that I was envisioning. <laughs> right? You're right. But, man, it was the next best thing. The care that I received was world-class. So, yeah, went up there for, for the week of testing, the surgery or the unroofing followed by a modified ravage. And, you know, Jeff, I'm just still so thankful to you because, you know, we hear what the surgery is like or from what the recovery is like from astronomy. But I had no idea what to expect with modified Ravage recovery. And so I couldn't prepare myself before. And when I got home and I was feeling terrible, I reached out to Jeff and sent him a message and said, Hey, you're the only one I know. <laughs> when do you feel better? I think it was. Mm-hmm. The gist of the message because, man, I was struggling.
1: Let me just add for the people who don't know what this modified ravage procedure that Veronica is talking about. We have the sternotomy, so we're like most others who have the sternum cut down the center. And then the surgeon, in our case, it happened to be the same surgeon, Dr. Boyd, finishes up and he pins that back together as it would be Closed, and then the thoracic surgeon comes in because our sternums are deeper into our chest, causing pressure on our hearts. At least in my case, I'm assuming it'll be something similar to yours, too. They don't want to do all this work on the heart and then still find out that the sternum's putting pressure on the heart. So they have to lift the sternum, and that's what the modified ravage procedure is. And it requires cutting ribs from the sternum. So not only do you have the healing process of the incision from the Thoracotomy or sternotomy. Now you have ribs that have to grow back to the sternum that's been adjusted in some way, shape, or form to relieve the pressure on the heart. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's just a little more fun in the healing process. But as a functional process, it heals at the same time. It's still roughly a twelve-week process. And I remember talking to Doctor Boyd about it. I says, Okay, Dr. Boyd, we're gonna do all this and he goes, You're gonna get your buddy, you know, Dr. Barry, and he's gonna come in and we're gonna do all this stuff. And I said, So what's all the like? and he goes, Well, yours is gonna be a little different. Yeah, it's it it's gonna be a little more painful. And I I'm thinking, you know, you don't really want somebody to tell you this is gonna hurt more because all you can think about is more is relative on a scale. What does more what does what does more mean? and that's you're still in that space a little bit and if okay, if you could yeah. share so for yeah. those very few of the people listening are going to have this extra process the symptoms they'll experience will still be similar ours were just exaggerated so i think for them, they can hear us and go, whew, I'm glad I don't have that. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm saying that right now. <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> glad it was just the cut well, that you weren't even to you're thinking of. <laughs> you think it a little bikini cut kind of thing, right? A sweater cut? Like a sweater, sweater cut, cut. Is yeah. just
0: right here. Yeah. yeah. So
1: <laughs> you, you go through your surgery, you get to ICU. Yeah. So
2: you're right. It is... It's true that there's a little more, apparently pain. I've never had a so I can't compare, but apparently it's true that there's a little more pain when the modified ravage is involved. I got a little bonus time in ICU. <laughs> I didn't get out of there until Saturday night from, you know, the Thursday morning surgery mm. and my, my blood pressure is just normally a little bit low. So it was, you know, I was having a little bit of trouble with that. Trouble keeping oxygen up and pain control goodness it was just a real feat for them to be able to get on top of pain and nausea Mm -hmm. so I had a little little extra time in ICU but great care while I was there and you know I just I don't want to scare anyone away from surgery make anyone nervous about the pain because I think everyone who's had this says it's painful it's it's rough but you can do it Mm -hmm. and that's so true I mean, it's it's just going to be rough for a little bit. Um, I take great care of you. They do everything they can to help you. And it's just something you kind of have to get through and you do make it. And when I reached out to you, Jeff, about three weeks, I think post-op and said, when does this get better? <laughs> you know, he said, he said it will and it does. Um, Dr. Schnicker told me in my follow-up at one week that typically with the unroofing that people start feeling better, you know, at week three to four post-op. She said, "You're going to feel bad for six weeks." <laughs> and I said, "Okay." And and that was that was kind of true. I was six weeks last Thursday, and yesterday was the first day I woke up and thought, "I feel good." And today I feel like myself, and it's the first time since August of 2021 that I have felt like myself. So the pain is there, you know. It, after surgery, it's tough. It's inconvenient, you know, you're limited in your range of motion and just getting along, but I had a great support system. I had friends and family come in to Palo Alto. I had lots of support at home, so that was a great help, and you know, other than that, it's just kind of, it's just kind of getting through. You know, I know that I do want to mention, I think we hear a lot of people worry about ICU and worry about waking up from surgery intubated and you know and the dread they dread the fear they wake they dread waking up intubated and I have to say don't be scared. You know, I was very prepared. I was somewhat like you, Sarah. I was never nervous about yeah. surgery. I was never scared, always ready, always excited. Yeah. When you know that there's a possibility that you could wake up intubated, it's just kind of like the pain. You say, okay, well I know that it could be there and you deal with it and woke up and debated for a couple hours. And it's, you know, it's a little uncomfortable, but it's not the only thing you've got going on. And they keep you comfortable. And it's just not something to worry about. They extubate you, you're feeling
0: great. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's to your point about the pain. I think we want to tell people what it feels like. Because I didn't have anybody. I don't know anybody. I didn't have a group. I didn't have a you or a jo- I had nobody and I had not known anybody who's ever had open heart surgery. So I just went in thinking, Sarah, you have a really high pain tolerance. You will get through this. And I, denial again, I just shut <laughs> it out and thought I'm going to deal with it because I don't know even what to expect. I didn't have the extra. So I think that probably alleviated a lot of my pain because I didn't have that. But I like that you say, and Jeff has said, and I talked with you because you had the. I'm going to get there. Okay, good. So I don't want to surprise anybody, but I would be so thankful to hear somebody say this is the amount of pain and this is how long, because then you have something to grasp. I, I just dealt with it, and and I was really fortunate. I didn't have a lot of pain. I was, I had a in the hospital. I had a really really bad headaches. And I had back pain. I don't know if either one of you had back pain. Yeah. We talked about that. Sure did. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, But when I got out, my pain went away about two weeks after two weeks. Not to say it was not. It was. I think it was so painful that you also forget. So when I talked to Jeff the other day, I'm like, okay, I have to figure out how much in pain was I? Because you forget about it. You just kind of let it. It's been a year and a half now. But I started thinking about it over the next couple of days and thought, yeah, for the first two weeks, and then I talked to my husband, how much pain was I really in? Because I will pretend like I wasn't in as much pain. So he reminded me, you could not, you know, you were in a lot of pain, but two weeks for me. But again, I I didn't have, my bone was never sore, but I was also told that that could be possible. Like you could have the surgery and not have that extreme bone pain, and some people could have even more extreme bone pain. But yeah, it's It's painful in all sorts and everyone's going to have their own things. I had a really, really hard time probably about six months after where I would have this intense, I think it was muscle spasming where you felt like you were going to throw up. I could not focus. I could nothing. I was taking so much Advil and Anything I could get my hands on, and I don't take that typically. Like, I didn't grow up with medicines, (laughs) I heard
1: we're gonna get to that in a second.
0: (laughs) But I had it, I couldn't even bear it, I absolutely could not bear the pain, but it went away. It was muscle spasms, but I don't think everyone even gets those though. But no, because I
1: I didn't experience those that way. I'm going to refresh Sorry. your memory Veronica on something <laughs> as we talk about pain management because it is significant and the hospital is the first one to say we want to manage the pain because we want you to be able to do things and not do them because of the pain so they give us a regimen of of what we can tolerate and i know the three of us here don't want to tolerate any meds and for anybody who tolerates an opioid or whatever the drug they give you, well, take it, because it is important. There's a reason for that. Veronica was talking to me when I called her, and she said, well, I I stopped everything because I thought (laughs) I just didn't want to take the drugs and I didn't want to take the the Tylenol. And two days later, after everything had cleared your system, you were in excruciating pain, if I'm not mistaken. You took Nothing. Nothing
2: i took some tylenol <laughs> i you know when they when they released i mean looking back on it jeff it's just ridiculous i mean they couldn't manage my pain in the hospital so i'm released and i i don't take the pain meds other than tylenol and then wonder why i can't walk more than you know 10 or 15 steps and and was i was in a lot of pain and it, it doesn't just mean while you're here under our care in the hospital take payments it means when you get out and Sarah, I'm the same. I have a high tolerance to pain. I thought, if I can handle this, I can push through it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think as athletes also, we push through so much pain mm-hmm. and you ignore it and you just grit your teeth and you go. Mm-hmm. And I kept doing that, but I was so limited. And so what happens is, you know, my my lungs aren't healing as well as they should because my activity isn't where it should be. And I'm just in pain. And so <laughs> my checkup with Dr. Boyd, when I'm telling him how far I can walk, they're like, oh no you should be walking five or 10 minutes this week and 10 to 15 minutes next week. I'm like, no, we're talking steps, not minutes for me. Oh. And so they got me back on the pain schedule, you know, no, you need to take this painkiller and then three hours later, you need to take the ibuprofen and the Tylenol and getting back on that schedule. I was able to function And <laughs> which you need to do. It's so important. You know, I think we think we're tough and we can handle mm-hmm. pain and, uh, you know, we can to a certain extent, but. Can we enough that our bodies are really allowed to heal? You know, if it's if I'm gritting my teeth on the couch, gritting through the pain, but I'm not moving, my lungs aren't reinflating, then what am I really doing to help along my recovery? But that was a whole mindset that Mm -hmm. I had to realize I needed to adopt, and you know, I did that the hard way. So then I, I did have to get back on the pain meds a little while and. You know, they're they're not fun. I don't feel great on them. I feel a little woozy, a little nauseated, but, you know, you need it and y- you will eventually come off. It's okay to be yeah. on them and it's okay to let your body heal
0: and you're going to come off. It's not forever. Do you think for the both of you, you were on heavier meds because of the extra?
1: Well, everybody's pain is different. So the necessity for the medication really is going to be predicated on the intensity of the pain. So, in my case, I was off the opioids in two days, but I couldn't eat enough Tylenol. Yeah, you know, it was every yeah. four hours, and it, yeah. I don't recall the dosage. It's not—I don't, I don't even want to say the dosage because I don't want to infer that that's acceptable. But what I was on, it was—it was as much as they said you can tolerate, and do it every four hours. Yeah, and I did that, and so initially it was a little rough, but the pain was manageable, and then it started to minimize and minimize and minimize opioids for me just screwed my entire system up. So I said, I'm going to do everything I can to not have to take that if I don't have to. So it was just a couple of days, but I mean, literally that Tylenol was another six weeks, eight weeks. And then as you finally get to start cutting it back, which you do, Veronica, you're correct. You do. It's exciting. (laughs) Hey, you wake up and you tell your wife, Hey, I only, I only had to take, you know, X today and I can't wait until I'm only doing it twice (laughs) a day. And Pretty soon I won't be taking them all. I won't that be great? Yeah. And there was another thing that happens with the pain too that I think we forget, and I want to bring it up because I know I talked to you about it. We all experienced this crazy back pain, and I, I couldn't find a solution to it. And I think it was you that said, "We'll try a heating pad." Mm-hmm. I've never had a heating pad. I went and bought the heating pad right away, and I laid on it. And I think I shared with you, Veronica, I built this rig, (laughs) this rig on the couch that had variations of the day as the day would go on, where I would sit (laughs) against the rig so that I could have the heating pad in the right spot and move it around. And then I would go to bed and it would hurt like heck. And I thought, well, why do I, I just need to take the heating pad to bed. (laughs) You know, that'll that'll make all the difference in the world. And and it did until I didn't need it any longer. So you do have to experiment around and you have to move and find places you can sit and get comfortable to where you're upright, not laying down all the time because that's not good either.
0: Yeah. And I got approval really early on. I have a really good friend who owns a practice. She's a PT. And so I, it took them a couple of weeks to give me an okay, obviously for obvious reasons, but I think it was six weeks after they allowed me to go see her it was super gentle very like she knew how to work it was she practices this type of pt so that was a changer for me because it was yeah well when i woke up in icu i said to the nurse he was the best guy ever oh my gosh he was amazing he was my angel he just I was in so much pain. I had the worst headache. And I said to him, I don't what is going on with my back and my shoulder. And he said, do you want me to show you what they did when you were in surgery? And I said, yeah. And he said, no, really, do you want to really see? So he showed me the way that they have to position you. And he said, this is exactly why you feel this way. So it was a good visual for me because you think, oh, it's going to hurt here, not my whole body. So it took a long time and actually my collarbones are still kind of a little wonky and I have seen, I ke- I go back to my PT. She, she helps like rearrange it a little bit and I have a masseuse who also does it as well, but it'll never be, they'll never be straight again, which is fine with me. I'm okay with mm-hmm. that. I can run. Small, small trade off, <laughs> but that's yeah. good
2: to hear, you know, it's just both those things, you know, still, still sore at the collarbone and, and went today for the first time, got a guy go to for active release treatments. And he was able to, you know, work the intercostals back inside of those ribs and just really help, you know, gently loosen things up again, because, you know, even six weeks out, ribs are still out of whack,
0: but that made a huge difference. Yeah. So did, I don't know if I ever asked this of you, Jeff, when you breathe. So because you, I mean, I'm assuming that is even more painful because you actually had ribs that were cut so it I is feel like for me I oh
1: know. yeah yeah breathing okay. they give you the little spirometer mm-hmm. and they tell you you're you're getting out and now do this thing you know three four times a day and I'm going to be religious about it because I want to be able to breathe it hurts like <laughs> hell to take a deep breath especially if you're trying to minimize the pain meds and then you have to blow it out hard into yeah. the spirometer. And that hurts like hell. Yeah, And you get used to it. But again, that's very critical. It really is. Oh. Again, for anybody who's, who's recovering from the surgery, the spirometer is important because it gives your lungs the volume and you need that. Yeah. And I, I, kept, <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, I said, well, if all that's been cut and moved around and opened up, maybe I can get more air in there now because it's a little loose, so I'm going to take these big, big, deep breaths and push really, really hard and push it all out. And I don't know if it made any difference, but you know, it was a good idea. Oh,
0: I was thinking I'm going to get more. I'm in, this is going to help my running. That's uh, all right. i kept thinking too. Same here, Sarah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do gonna be so fast. Do me wonders. I actually the person who came to my house. You know how the nurse comes to your house. For two weeks after. Did you have this? No. Oh, you didn't? No.
1: <laughs> did you? Did you? <laughs> no. Veronica, I had no oh. nurse come to my house.
0: No. <laughs> oh, I. Had, so it was supposed to be four weeks that they would come and check up on me once a week and check to make sure I'm doing my thing. I also was religious. I did it when I was supposed to. I did my walks four mm-hmm. times a day. God is, they told me I could go to here. I went to there and Pushed it a teensy bit, enough to not be bad. But the nurse who came to the house said, this this was very shocking. I just thought, you just got open heart surgery. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And so I was talking to him. He was young. And he said, I just went and visited somebody else who had the same, not myocardial, something else. Open heart surgery. And I got to their house. And they were drinking soda and playing video games and had not touched anything. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. And I thought, you know how precious our life is? How do you not do simple things? Because it's painful. Mm -hmm. And it's scary when you know, oh, it's time to do the thing. Darn it. I don't want to do the thing. But he said, you know what? The nurse said, we basically said to this person, we're not coming to you because we want to come to people like you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know how important it is. You're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. And when you do that, you are going to come out of it a lot better. And even though I don't know necessarily what they said to you, Veronica, but my surgeon was very honest. He said, we're, we're going to fix you, but you won't be able to do the same things as you did prior. That's hard. And I know you and I have talked about mm-hmm. that. And you have to change that mindset of your level is here and you're still going to be able to go back and do it. It just may not look the same. I struggled with that on my first training for my marathon. I mean, I it was so hard to mentally have to not do what you do before until I did the marathon and I thought, I got to do this again. Mm -hmm. Who cares what the time is? I get to do it. I get to wake up every single morning Mm -hmm. and I get to run and do the things that I love. And I'm not tired like I used to be. I'm not, it was, that was huge for me to just have to step back and say, okay, this is my new me and and that's okay. And I know because you're an athlete, it's, I don't know what yours said to you, but it was good that my surgeon said to me, we're going to make it a lot better. Just know that it may not be the same as when you were at your height.
2: You know, Dr. Boyd said, send me a picture of your next triathlon. He said that I would be able to get back to it, but he didn't really set any expectations for me. He didn't say, you know, you're going to be able to do it, but watch out for this or know that you'll be it you know, half your performance level or 75%. So I don't know that yet. I mean, I guess I'll see when I'm yeah. able to, but for you, what was your return like back to training? How did you approach it? When did you start and how did you increase? And so how did you know what to do?
0: Yeah, I got I got to start running at 12 weeks and my friend who's a PT is also a runner. And so she specializes in recovery so it was I giggled for two reasons. I giggled when I saw it because I thought, oh, my gosh, this is really. And then I giggled because I went, I don't even know if I could do it. <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> uh-huh. it was I think I did like a one minute, three minute walk. And then I mm-hmm. could do 20 seconds run three minutes, 20 seconds. And then it just built on itself. So it was a 12 week program. So it okay. took me 12 weeks to get back to running three straight miles. And I had to keep my heart rate under certain, so I would have to slow down to keep it under. But so 12 weeks was then I started marathon training at that point. But again, marathon training at three miles was my long run on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Other than like, normally right. we would jump out and do ten or something to be our <laughs> right. base. Right. Little, little different. <laughs> little base. different. Uh huh. And yeah. that three miles was not pretty, and I was not a nice person. And thankfully, my <laughs> best friend, who runs with me, bared with me because it was really humbling to me. I thought, oh, this is why people maybe don't like running. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And now
2: you're, you know, were the new limitations self-imposed or is it because of the surgery? Did you, did you say, okay, I need to keep it at this pace or HR under this level?
0: So that was um, doctor first. So okay. the first 12 weeks he said, I can't have it go over a certain amount. Okay. And then once that was, I went back and they said, okay, you're good to do whatever you want to do. But then the fear set in for me. That's when I started having a lot of fear. And I think that probably still holds me back a little of pushing. I'm not, I just don't push like I have pushed before because it's scary. And I think if I could just stay here, I'm fine. I just want to run. And then we were talking earlier that I did a a 50 miler this past week. And that was I'm out there like smiling the entire time because I think I get to do this still. I'm not going to push it because I'm not going to ruin this and the ability because they actually said to me initially, you are, you can't do anything over 26 miles. And I said, okay. So then my friend asked me if I wanted to do the AR-50 and I said, well, let me ask my doctor and let me ask my surgeon. And so I did. And I was very honest with them. I said, here's what I want. This is what I've been doing. Am I okay to do it? And they said, as long as you smile and you breathe, we will let you do it. But you're never going over 50. I'm like, okay, I won't do any more. So I think now I go into those events with a very different mindset of, I'm just so happy that I get to be here, that I'm not willing to push it and test the limits anymore, which I used to. And you have to set your ego aside and let people pass you that you know you could, in your <laughs> mind, could have been there, could have been, you know, my time wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it's because I didn't push myself and I'm okay with that now. Prior, had I not pushed myself hard enough, I would have been upset at myself. So it's an it's fun. It makes it a little bit more fun to just go out with no expectations. Just finish. You just get to finish. And
2: and just enjoy it and taking the pressure off of yourself. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. great. And actually experience around you. I would never stop at an aid station ever. Never stopped at aid stations. I wouldn't have my phone out. I wouldn't look at people. I was just, just going forward. That's it. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, I saw a bald eagle. I really did on my run. Saw oh, a body amazing. eagle. I stopped. I took a picture of it. It was just a different lens of what I used to see. So I I'm really, really, really happy about it.
1: As her yes. therapist, I will tell you she's come a long way.
0: <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I have. So happy. To I had hear some that. angry moments in uh, my house. I will be honest. I screamed because I thought this is what life is. This is what it's going to be right after, four weeks after maybe, where you still can't lift five pounds, I think, at that point you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I had a couple of moments. My husband had to <laughs> calm me down and remind me that I just had surgery. But I'm like, but I can do it. And he said, but you can't right now. Right. You have to wait. So.
1: And I think one of the things you'll find as well, Veronica, you're six and a half <laughs> weeks, less so, even at 12, that's where I was cleared to get on the bike, on the trainer in the garage or wherever you have your trainer. And they said, it's it's okay. You could ride, but it was if you fell. You know, then, then you're going to make a mess of all the work we just did. And I said, oh, okay, well, that makes sense because I think I can ride. And I'm like, it's not about the ride. It's not about the heart. It's about the damage you could do if you fell on the bike. I'm a year almost to the day last year at this time when I first got on the trainer in the garage and they said give us another month before you actually go out on the bike and getting on the trainer I was so excited. I actually had my wife video it and you know I, I you know, thanked everybody for the ability for me to even be able to get back on it and I have my kit on for people who don't cycle, it's the, the, the men in nylon stuff that we wear and I cried when I started pedaling, you know, and I cried when I got off of it thinking I get to do this again. I get to do this again. And I know I can get off the trainer at some point and everything worked and I had no symptoms. The only thing that was really unusual is the discomfort came from the pressure on the healing bone, you know, all the sternum area that has, you know, had all the work. And part of my modified ravage included a bar that stayed in there for a year. So I would feel that discomfort of, you know, you're holding the bars and you're close and you've got your body weight on it. So that, that was there. And that first ride, you know, four weeks later on the street, talk about scared. Yeah. Can I mean, I I'm going out on the bike and I'm clipping into pedals and it's like, well, I can't get my leg down fast. What if I can't? What if I fall? And. All of it worked out just fine. But that healing process of all of it, it does take time. And it just because the 12 weeks is where you can pick things up, it doesn't mean it's okay. You, it, it's not all done. It really takes at least a year for all of that to heal properly and do everything that it's supposed to do. And I was fortunate enough, I got back in the gym as well. I got back in the gym in June. So I waited six months and started with extremely, extremely lightweights. Again, th- talk about...
0: Humbling. Humbling. <laughs>
1: yeah. Where you know what you used to do, and yes. here you are with these baby weights that it's, it's like, really, uh-huh. that's the best it's going to get. It's, yeah. And it does it does improve. A- and I know we might be talking over a lot of people who don't exercise the way we do, but it's scalable. It's mm-hmm. the same. It's it, for somebody who is more sedentary, it's just get up and walk around the block. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, that is a big deal for some people. Yeah. And all of our doctors will tell us, have told us, and probably tell every other patient that your well-being is all of your body and mind t- to a greater degree. I, we don't want to get into that. That's, that's a whole other episode of, <laughs> of, you know, mental health with this process. But you you feel better by doing something, and you're not going to heal well if you don't and you you're at six and a half weeks and you look and sound mm-hmm. remarkable i'm I don't know that I looked and felt like that at six and a half weeks.
0: You actually said something so important though, Jeff, is the mental. I think that's a huge part, and like it you is. said, maybe it is a whole another episode it's going to be another
1: episode, yes.
0: They also prepped me for that because I think we think with our type of brains, it's not going to affect us. Right. Mm -hmm. And it does. And I think we're all really strong mentally. I mean, we do things. Everyone is mentally strong. But I started meditating because I thought I'm not going to get hit with the depression. I don't want to. And I did research on it because especially with the heart, there is a huge connection.
1: It's very common.
0: Yeah. And that I was more scared of that than I was of the pain, I think. So I started meditating, started journaling even prior to, because I wanted to make sure that that was not a part that I fell deep into. Because you could, like with you, you were in pain. You weren't moving. That sitting and then you start going down this dark, dark place. And it's hard to come back from that. So it's super important mm-hmm. for people to make sure that they are aware when they start feeling that way. And another thing is my doctor said a lot of times when people start getting that depression, like feeling that hopeless and felt lost, it's actually a physical issue usually that we don't know. So. They said if you start feeling helpless or really depressed, you need to come back in because that could be potentially something going wrong with your surgery. So I thought interesting. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have mm-hmm. just thought, I'm not moving, I don't get to do what I normally do. I have a strong personality. But it is really important that if you start feeling that hopeless feeling that what is this life worth and, you know, what is happening to check in with your doctor quickly. I wouldn't have known that.
2: Like you, Sarah, I had read about this impact. I began going to yoga, you know, five to seven days a week, I guess the beginning in January, 2022, because I just couldn't work out. I couldn't do anything. And, but the only yoga that I could do was just more the yin yoga. So really it's like an hour long stretching class. (laughs) You know, I couldn't hold any body weight. It's none of the typical warrior poses or anything so it was it's just yin yoga an hour-long stretching but beginning has meditation and end has meditation and that really helped mentally prepare me as well sarah i think what you were saying makes sense you know you need to kind of prepare yourself for it and then reading about some of the mental and emotional aspects that you can encounter after surgery i wanted to be prepared for that too but you know where i found that it helped me was in Leading up to surgery, some of the frustration that I had, you know, especially coming from such an active lifestyle, just sitting on the couch, you know, I spent as much time sitting on the couch pre-surgery as I did Mm post-surgery, just because my activities were so limited. And just, it it really helped me get through that. It helped me in the testing, you know, it helped me get through testing. It helped me when you wake up intubated, you're just totally chill (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you can, you've learned to relax and... And you've learned how to work through things and, and be patient. So, um, but as far as any other pre or post counseling or discussions about, hey, this could pop up, no, I didn't really have any. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to your podcast that focuses on that. I think that's such an important aspect people need to think about.
1: Yeah. People do experience it and they may think it's just them. Mm-hmm. It's not just them, it's many. When so many things in your life change and you realize your mortality, yeah, that's a big deal. And you have a constant reminder because something hurts. You know, you're, you're there with that frustration or pain for quite some time that it wears on you after a while. Yeah. You know, meds aside, then you go out to do what you thought you used to be able to do and you can't do any of it you know, strike two and then you go and you get to a little bit better and you go to do where you think you could do that because that's what you used to do before. I can't do that. And it just piles on. I think the awareness and recognition of the gift we've been given to get up every day again as a result of the surgery, because I think all of us, and many people, including the Facebook group, anybody I talk to that's got this symptom, we all have this concern when we don't know, you could die and you just don't know if this thing's going to kill you and if it is, when. Now, and we never get to know the <laughs> our termination point, but at least now we know we've been given this gift for a reason and, you know, what do we do with it and how do we do things differently and still enjoy the stuff that we did before because that helps us be stronger. So yeah. you, you did your run. I, I have to share this because I want to share it because <laughs> I want to give Veronica some in, <laughs> encouragement here. I did my first organized ride on Saturday as well, and it was 65 miles in the Sierras, and it was, was spectacular. The whole time I'm thinking, okay, this is not a, it's not a race. It's not competitive. Just watch your heart rate. Dr. Boyd, I paid attention. <laughs> you just don't overdo it. And I had been training for it, so I felt really, really good. And it was everything I could do to intentionally moderate and not be stupid, even though I felt I could be stupid. Mm-hmm. Everything felt good. But what a gift that is. A year ago and pre-surgery? No way. Yeah. So you know, just back to the that recovery, oh, I, I want to say process, but as you, you get to the point where you do you still recognize your pain veronica cuz you're you're still in it i'm yes. a little further out and you're a lot further out the funny thing is you forget it mm-hmm. you forget the intensity and the duration and the frustration of the pain and we get to the end and i pulled over and i just sat on the back of the car and cried i couldn't have done this before you know i'm i'm so fortunate and so blessed that i get to do it you know, in the grand scheme, by all of us being here, we're you know, we're benefiting somebody else who gets to see that this is a condition that is treatable and it does improve and not necessarily the same for everybody, but it does. Yeah. Well,
0: so,
2: congratulations on that I know. great ride. What a milestone. I can imagine how that must have felt when you finished just to be doing it. I just so happy for you. Yeah.
1: You you will get there. And certainly we're here to answer your questions as you start down that path in about six weeks.
0: Oh, thank yes, you. I, I wish we lived that. closer. I could run uh, I do too. I, <laughs> I do could too. I could send you my running my running plan that got back because oh, be you're great. Okay. I'll do that.
1: Well I really thank you guys for saying yes. It <laughs> is kind of a unique situation and the expectation I've got is for the people who do listen you don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to be super competitive, super fit. All the things that we said apply to everybody who's gone through the surgery. It's just scaled differently for each individual. And choosing to do nothing is choosing to do nothing. And you will not recover well, and you will probably have continuous conditions if you don't do what the doctors have given you the gift to do. Yeah. And it's, I just think that's significant. I remember when I asked Dr. Boyd, how many people didn't make it off the table after the surgery? And he looks at me and goes, none. Everybody made it off the table. He goes, not everybody made it long-term, but some of that was by choice and some of it was by complications, other conditions. And he said, I don't have any expectation for anybody that does what they're supposed to do that they shouldn't be able to live a healthy life as a result. So, I hope we're providing some of that incentive for the other people too. And you have been amazing and Veronica especially telling your story so early in the recovery process. So, a year from now or after you've done that next try or you start your running, you know, it'll be fun to hear how it's going because I'm sure some of the people we speak with over the course of time, somebody's going to say, well, what about that person?
2: Glad to share my journey for anyone who has questions further down the road. Me too. And I appreciate both of you sharing your journeys with me. It's, It's helped me tremendously and I just appreciate that.
1: The Myocardial Bridge Facebook group is full of great responses for anybody who is listening to the podcast today that hasn't gone there. Go there because there's a lot of information there and there's a lot of people sharing back and forth. Somebody will be similar to you. The fact that. I found Veronica on there with this additional pectus excavatum thing is beyond (laughs) comprehension. And to find out, we had both the same surgeons at the same hospital. And you're in Texas, we're here in California, and you you think you're alone. And
2: And you're not.
1: I was... Priding myself on being alone, I was thinking I'm oh, the only I'm one. Sorry. You took you that. You only had that for me. trophy for you. It's like the
0: Strava legend. That's right. I was I'm the <laughs> <I was like, laughs> Mountain. Queen amount Until, <laughs> that's, until that's someone right. else comes
1: along. I thought it was one of one, and then you showed up, and, they, 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 and my own the same doctors. I'm like, gosh, what the heck? <laughs> Backyard. And then I figured, okay, well, there's only one guy, 66 years old. <laughs> This. Who had the
2: bar? Yours was much more severe, so I'll let you have that. Mine was not nearly <laughs> as severe. From what I hear,
0: I wouldn't want the bar. That was oh, oh boy. No.
1: Well, again, thank you guys. This was just amazing. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was anxious about putting everybody together, thinking, well, what if there's a bad vibe and they don't like each other? But
2: <laughs> no. uh,
1: who knows? I mean,
2: my new best friend. We're sharing right. dressing us. Yeah, there are trainings. We are.
1: Well, thank you, and I'm so glad that you felt. Well today, and oh,
2: yes, well thank you. Keeping
1: in mind it's not linear, you will have peaks and valleys, but it stays on a continuum upward until you you know you get back. So, Veronica, yeah. thank you so much. It
2: was nice meeting thank you, you, Jeff, and thank you, Sarah. Yes, it was so a we'll nice connect to you too. Absolutely, thank you so okay. much. I appreciate Thanks, it. All right, thank, thank
1: you. you. Thank you for listening to Imperfect Heart. It's my hope that this information helped in some way to improve your situation or will help you better understand this condition. More importantly, that it gives you hope through stories that there is help and you most certainly are not alone. If you've been diagnosed with a myocardial bridge, please be sure to join the private Facebook group, Myocardial Bridge Support Group. For more information about our program or to reach me directly, visit the website, myimperfectheart.com. If you like what you heard today, please give a positive review, thumbs up, high five, whatever your app likes, and be sure to share with everyone important to you so they understand what it is you're dealing with. Please subscribe as well. Welcome each day with gratitude and positivity. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the host and the guest and are not intended to provide, nor are they a suitable substitute for, professional care by a doctor, therapist, mental health professional, or other qualified medical professional. Imperfect Heart is a production of Hear Me Now Studio.